Hi, I'm Michael Cishon, and this is my story. The firefighter servicing that we do started out with uh, me facilitating Rooted. And what we do is one of the gentlemen explains what's going on with our group and how this all started through Rooted. We just wanted to give back. We're not here for any agenda. We're not here to try to make them, if they're non-Christians, Christians. We're just here to be good humans. We just want to try through our actions, through Christ, to be better humans. And how you do this is just by serving, and we wanted to serve them with nothing back. So then after the gentleman kind of explains this, another one of our group will explain that we're gonna pray for them. And then we pray for them, we pray for their families, and we tell the guys, hey, if you ever have a prayer request, contact us. This started out with just two firehouses, and now it's growing to six and seven and even more. You know, we planted this little seed, and then God started watering it. And what I'm seeing is the growth in each one of these men. And we just want to continue to humbly just go wherever God decides to take us. Hey, Parkview. So good to be with you this weekend. If you are over at New Lenox or Homer Glen, uh, even online or around Orlando, I'm so thrilled that we get to connect with you this weekend. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't even know if you're happy about this, but I kind of am. Check this out. Uh, 2009, since we've had Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers in the championship playoffs. How about that? And here's, here's how long this has been. Are you right? I had to Google what was big in 2009. That's how long this has been. Anybody remember Farmville? Remember like you got your cell phone and you started getting all these requests from like your aunt or your uncle or like the person you went to high school with but you didn't really talk too much and you got Farmville requests? If you ended up getting like a million requests back in 2009 for Farmville, it's probably legit because 83 million people joined that game in under a month. That's what was going on in 2009. Uh, anyways, we're really glad that you're here and uh, we're looking forward to jumping into a conversation today around some of the best qualities of being a human being. Earlier in the series, Pastor Tim talked a little bit about this tension that we have as humans between what our flesh desires and what the Spirit of God desires. And so if, I don't know if you remember the list from the last few weeks, but this is kind of what the list looks like. Anger, anxiety, impatience, meanness, selfishness, doubt, harshness, indulgence, and hatred. I don't know if you know anyone who has multiples of these in their life, but I'm guessing if you do, you probably don't want to be around them. Am I right? And I know this for sure, that if some of these things show up in my life, I don't even really want to be around myself, right? So I think it's obvious when you look at this, this is a pretty bad list. But then when you compare it, compare it with what the Spirit of God desires, you get a totally different list. And here's what you got. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control, and love. And as Pastor Tim has been mentioned the last few weeks, we can farm these kind of things, right? We're going to use the farm metaphor. And so we can spend a little bit of time today talking about how to create these things in our life. How do we grow the spiritual fruit in our life? And today, like Nick had said, we're talking about kindness and goodness. Now, when I was a kid, kindness and goodness kind of embodied a little bit of this red light, green light game. Okay? When I was little, red light, green light. If someone was a red light, that meant not safe, right? A little bit dangerous, can't trust them, maybe not even nice or good. But green light, well, green light meant I could go with them. I could be around them. They were trustworthy. They were safe. And if they were a yellow light, well, that just meant, you know, my parents really didn't know them. Weren't sure if they were actually safe or not, right? So it was this kind of this dance between red light and green light. And so to get our minds thinking around this a little bit, I thought we'd play a little game. 
Okay, we're going to play a little red light, green light. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you a picture of someone I'm guessing you all know, and you're just going to shout out red light or green light. Okay, red light, not so good, not so nice, not so kind. Green light, you get the idea, all right? And if you're at New Lenox or Homer Glen, you could play this too. Just go ahead and shout it out. Are you ready? All right, here's the first one. Betty White. Green light, okay, that's not bad, that's not bad. All right, uh, I'm going to guess this one. Simon Cow. Yellow light. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, Oprah Winfrey. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. Oh, green light. Okay, well, we got green light. Uh, let's go with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, no, green light. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Green light. He, he's got such a good name, don't you think? Uh, yeah. All right, let's, let's go with this guy, Tim Harlow. Tim, if you're listening, you got green lights, buddy, okay? Uh, we got to do Todd Clark. Green light. But he lives in California. All right, how about these guys? I don't know if I would trust my kids with these guys. Anyway, it's kind of fun, right? Maybe just to think a little bit about what stirs our thinking when we think about people, whether they're being kind or good. In fact, in the Bible, the word goodness is kind of hard to define. In the Bible, the original word for goodness is good. How about that? A little hard to define, but here's the deal. You know it when you see it. I hear us use phrases all the time like, oh, they're such a good couple, or oh, that's such a nice family, or oh, they're really good neighbors, and that's actually a really good thing. And oftentimes, we use phrases like that to connect our perception of what we think someone is, whether kind or good. In fact, when you move into a new neighborhood, aren't you a little curious about who the kind neighbors are? You're kind of like, hey, who on the street is kind? And aren't you curious who isn't? I mean, you kind of want to know that too. And actually, we just sold our home. Don't you all want to be the kind of people that when you move out of the neighborhood, your previous neighbors look at the new owners and go, oh, those people were so nice. That was such a great family. Rather than glad those jokers are gone. I mean, that's kind of what I want. I mean, honestly, I want to be known as a nice guy. Honestly, I want my family to be known as the nice family. And sometimes, I'm not even sure if I deserve that title. But if someone labels you that way, someone labels you kind or nice or good, you've probably made some investments. You've probably done some things to earn that title. And here's why I want us to stop. Because what if kindness and goodness as fruits of the Spirit are more than just friendly, safe descriptions? What if there's more to these fruits than just being nice and generous, more than just helping someone across the street? And so to dive into this a little bit, I, I want to ask you a question. Ha, have you ever met someone only to discover that it really didn't make a difference when you were kind to them? Have you ever done something good or kind and it really didn't work out the way you expected? There's a story of this dad, and he comes home from work one day, and he takes off his coat, and he walks in the door, and he hears his son, little Johnny, crying upstairs. And so curiously, the dad runs upstairs to find out what's going on and sees little Johnny, tears falling down his face on the floor. Well, the dad says, little Johnny, why are you crying? Little Johnny looks up, tears in his face, and said, I lost my five cents. Well, in a kind gesture, just to be good to his son, the dad reaches into his pocket, pulls out five pennies, and hands it to little Johnny. Well, instantly, little Johnny starts crying even more. And you can't imagine what this dad's thinking. Why is little Johnny crying? And so confused by the reaction of his kind gesture, the dad says, little Johnny, why are you crying? And little Johnny, with tears pouring down his face, looks up and goes, I wish I would have lost 10 cents. <laughs> and I've kind of been there as a dad. 
Maybe you've been there as a parent, right? You do something nice for your kids and you're kind of like, what just happened? Why did it not go the way I thought it would go? And I think part of this has to do with this reality that these fruits really have nothing to do with us. I mean, the fruits aren't ours. They're the Spirit's. And the point of the fruits is not for our benefit, but for others. In fact, Paul writes in Galatians, just a few chapters before the fruits of the Spirit, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In fact, here's what he says in Galatians. He says, Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, but rather serve one another in love. And right after saying this, what does Paul do? He jumps into 5 and 6 and he talks about what the flesh desires and what the Spirit of God desires. Paul's entire point with his entire list is that it's not for you. So say it's not for me. It's not for you. They're for other people. And if it wasn't for someone being kind and good to me along the way, I probably wouldn't even be standing here. In fact, I can remember countless times where someone chose to be kind or good to me and these acts of kindness showed up and helped me flourish in ways I could have never done on my own. In fact, some of those people are listening to me right now. I remember right out of college, Ann and I were in love, we weren't married yet, and I was trying to make ends meet, right? I was trying to find a place to live, I was trying to find a job, and nothing really was working out. I needed a job to get a car, and I needed a car to get a job. You get the idea, right? And I did not have a place to live long term. And so about four to five weeks into this transition out of college, uh, I remember a time where I was doing this internship for uh, my senior pastor. And right as I finished uh, this internship, uh, the senior pastor said, hey, if you need anything, you know, give me a call. Let me know what you need. I was like, all right. So uh, I'm in about four or five weeks in, and I remember this promise that he gave to me. And so, you know, I thought I'd give him a call. I thought if that I went to college, it'll be easy for me to get a job right after and get a career. But it really wasn't working out with that man. In fact, God was teaching me something. So I pick up the phone, I call this pastor, and I was like, hey, <laughs> remember me? And uh, I said, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of stuck. He said, well, you know, what's going on? Well, I, I, I told him I needed some help. I just needed some advice. And he said, well, you know, what do you need? And I said, well, currently I'm nowhere to live. I kind of need a place to stay. And his reaction to that statement changed my life. Without even a flinch, he said, well, when do you need to move in? I said, how about Thursday? <laughs> I'm telling you this. He said, bring over your stuff. We'll figure it out. You just come in and get settled, and then we'll take our next step. That day, Pastor Chuck and Marsha showed me kindness in a way that I cannot even describe. That time I lived with them gave me the margin that I needed. It, it gave me the opportunity to experience goodness. They were good to me, and it gave me a chance to get my feet grounded. And this kind of my point, because experiences like that never leave you, do they? I mean, when people are kind or good to you, it, it changes things, and it makes you more grateful. And for me, it was an example of how God was showing up and his fruit was showing up and it was taking something challenging in my life and it was shifting that a little bit. And it was an example of the fruit's power. You know, I look at how God interacts with his people and then I look at how God expects his people to interact with other people. And in the Bible, I see kindness and I see goodness play out in very powerful ways, very culture-shaping ways. 
these fruits of the Spirit, kindness and goodness, they show up and lives get changed. Maybe you're familiar with the story of the Samaritan woman. It's in John chapter 4, and there's a woman who comes to the well because she's thirsty. And I'm going to take a drink because I'm kind of thirsty right now. And uh, she meets Jesus for the first time. And she is a person who is struggling to experience this kindness and goodness in her life. There's not really a lot of spiritual fruit showing up in this woman's life. And she meets Jesus at the well while she's drawing water for the day. And Jesus begins to talk to her. Maybe you're familiar with the story. He shows her kindness in the midst of her difficult relationships. You see, she had been divorced many times. And in fact, she was living with a man that wasn't even her current husband. And what transpires in this conversation between Jesus and this Samaritan woman is nothing short of amazing. She comes to faith in the Messiah, and then she goes back and she shares the gospel with the entire town. Don't miss this. She connects to Jesus, experiences kindness and goodness towards her, and then the fruit begins to spread to an entire community of people. She becomes the first evangelist in the New Testament. This is why I think John writes this in John 15. I am the vine and you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. For separated, you can do no thing. Imagine the next time that you choose to be kind or good to someone. It wasn't you being kind or good, it was actually God working through you. I mean, imagine if God wanted to show his kindness and goodness through you this week in some crazy way. Imagine if the effectiveness of your kind, good gesture is this thing that you were about to do that God wanted to do something through you to prepare you. Imagine if that would happen. I mean, that's the kind of fruit that I want in my life. I mean, I want people to experience kindness and goodness in such a way that, it, you know, it, it changes things. And I'm sure that we have thoughts like this, uh, like, uh, oh, I, I should send this person a card. Or, uh, oh, I should stop by and see how they're doing. Or maybe I should send them a text message and just say hi. I, I think these things happen to us all the time. And these are the types of things that cross our minds, and oftentimes they just slip on by. But the power of these spiritual fruits showing up in our life can take the pressure off a little bit when all of those nice things that you're thinking about start to stack up. And they can absolutely give you a chance to do something bigger than yourself. So if we take this farming metaphor, how do we cultivate it? How do we farm for kindness and goodness in our life, right? Well, building off this metaphor, uh, there's this idea of taking something out and putting something in. And so let me ask you this question. Have you ever noticed someone who's selfish? Do you know someone who's super selfish? I mean, on the surface, selfish people just annoy me. Okay? They just annoy me. They're always about themselves. They're really not aware of what's happening around them. But on the deep level, selfish people are really hard to be around. Selfish people end up doing things that inflict pain in other people, oftentimes at the expense of others. Just go through history and look at any example of a leader who was selfish at the core, and you will see a wave of destruction behind them. Even in the Bible, people like King Saul or Judas or King Herod certainly struggled with selfishness. Check out what James says in chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. 
Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we're all selfish at the core. It, it's, it's not hard to just take a moment and look around Parkview and recognize the kind of people that are here. Because if I look around Parkview, I see an enormous amount of kind, good-hearted people. This church is filled with genuinely good people who have done a whole lot for other people. That's part of the reason why I love Parkview, and I'm confident that's probably why you come and enjoy Parkview too. But have you noticed something? We're all human we're a bunch of sheep who have this tendency to live for ourselves more than other people. Have you noticed that? And so here's what we have to do. Here's the first thing we have to do. We have to tack the selfish weeds. And I'm not talking about a weed eater approach, okay? I'm talking about good stuff, Roundup, okay? You got to go after the roots with this stuff. You understand what I'm saying here? And here's where honesty is really important for us. Because when I was younger, I kind of had this thought. You know, maybe my young, impatient, anxious, doubting, self-focused person would just kind of mature and blossom and they would just simply go away. But I'm still selfish. I still have anxious thoughts. I'm kind of hard to be around when I'm hungry and tired. Just ask Anna. I mean, haven't I gotten past these things in my life? I mean, why am I still struggling to be patient? with my wife or with my kids? Why do I worry about things that I know I cannot control? And even though I know that I'm with God and he's got it all under control, why do I still worry? Here's why. Because blind spots are hard to spot. And if you don't conveniently cultivate your heart, weeds are just gonna come back. And this is why hitting the root is so important. How do you pull out a weed if you can't see it? How do you keep it from coming back if you can't even find it? You can't see a blind spot. Just ask your friend or your neighbor. Ask the person you came with today. Do I, do I have selfish moments? In the Bible, King David had the same problem. He didn't see his issues. And this is how King David figured out his blind spots. He says, let not my heart be drawn to what is evil to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let a righteous man strike me, for it is kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. Do you know what this oil on my head is? This is goodness. This is kindness and goodness showing up in David's life. And here's what David is doing. He is cultivating a relationship with God where first he's praying, because this is a prayer. He stays connected to God, and then he says, God, this is exactly what I need. I need someone else to show up in my life and help me see my blind spot. Because that's going to be kind to me. That's going to be good to me. And last week, if you were here, then you heard a little bit about what we want to do as a, as a church. About helping people take a next step in their spiritual growth. So whether today you're struggling with things like anxiety or depression or worry, or maybe you've got some marital things going on, we believe so strongly in getting help from others and getting an outside perspective that we're offering to cover the first session of counseling. And if you're here today and that's something you want to take advantage of, don't miss out on that. Parkview, 180 people have already taken us on this. That means that 180 people have taken a first step, and I love seeing that. And as a church, we've partnered with some incredible people outside of our church who are going to help you take new steps and navigate these things with you. So if you want to do more information on this, just go to parkviewchurch.com slash counseling. We can get the conversation started. I mean, last year, maybe you don't know this, last year I started counseling. 
Because I had experienced some things that were not good to me. I had experienced some things that were unkind to me. And I just needed to figure some things out. Because it was affecting my relationship with my wife. It was affecting my parenting with my kids. And it was really affecting my relationship with God. I was not navigating my emotions the way that I wanted to. And I just needed some help. And in truth, I'm still on that path. And I'm learning a lot. But that's not without someone sitting in my life and helping me see my blind spot. And it's difficult to let kindness and goodness grow in your life when suddenly something bad happens to you and you start to turn in. And I don't think God wants us to live in. This is why small groups are so important. Go out to our group finder. Find a group. Get connected. This is why Team Parkview is so important. You can join our volunteer team and build relationships because here's the idea. You can't grow spiritually isolated. You have to have relationships. This is what helps you see your blind spot. But it's more than that, right? It's more than just taking out the selfish weed. And in farming, you have to put something in. Your soil needs something to grow. So let's go back to Galatians chapter 3 and look what Paul says. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Are you so foolish After beginning with the Spirit, are you not trying to attain your goal by human effort? Here's my point, Parkview. Yes, you have to attack the selfish weed, but you also have to realize that the Spirit-filled life is all about trying less and relying more. Trying less and relying more. Many of us are told that to be a better person, you have to try harder. Be a better son, be a better brother, sister, mother, aunt, uncle, you name it. Be a better son-in-law, a better co-worker, better neighbor. None of these are bad endeavors, but the big problem is this. The harder you try, the harder it gets. Am I right? I mean, maybe you're on the way to a company event, and you know one of your co-workers is going to be there that you would just rather punch in the face. So you start having self-talk, and you're like, I'm going to be nice this time. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to be I'm going to smile. I'm going to say, it's so good to see you. I'm just going to be kind. I'm going to be nice and I'm not going to be negative. I will not punch him in the face. And here's the thought process that you go through. You just start to put on kindness and goodness like it's something you can do in and of yourself. And have you noticed this? We don't need more moments to be good. We don't need more moments to be kind. The problem is that sometimes we're human and we just can't do it on our own. Guys, we're all operating from the same spot. Paul's whole point in Galatians is that fruits like kindness and goodness don't show up because we rely on our own effort. In fact, Paul writes in Galatians 3 that those who rely on the law to produce anything good were under a curse. How's that for encouragement? To help illustrate this, I like to go to the store. And uh, you guys like to go to Lowe's? Anybody Lowe's fans in here? Do you guys remember when Lowe's used to have this uh, slogan, never stop improving? Remember that? And maybe going to church has been like that for you. Maybe you've been going to church for a long time and you've kind of had this impression that you need to never stop improving. In fact, every time you come to church, you feel like you leave with something more to do. Like you've just got to keep getting better. And if that has been your experience, I'm here to tell you that I'm really sorry that happened to you. Because that is not the message of the gospel of Jesus. 
That is not the heartbeat of our church, and that is certainly not the big idea of this series. This is not a place where we are coming here to try harder and to become better. This is a place where we come to learn to yield more. This is a place where we try less and we rely more. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to eternal life. You see, it's the kindness and goodness of God that leads us to a place of change. It's what leads us to a place where we can say, I can't win, I'm not good enough, I'm a sinner, and all I want is the spirit in my life. So Jesus, here I am. I want to be connected to your vine. And maybe today you need to take that step. Maybe today you've realized that all of your life you've just been trying to do things on your own. But for a lot of us who have already taken that step, may I just suggest this to you? Maybe relying on God for kindness and goodness literally just means, God, who do you want me to be kind to this week? Maybe it begins with us by just asking God, where do you want me to show your goodness this week? Because if it's true that we can try and be kind everywhere we go, then which moments do you want me to take advantage of? Because there's plenty of them. My guess is that if we start praying these things and begin looking for places like that, we're going to find moments where good and kindness show up, where God gets to do some incredibly powerful things. And these moments that I'm talking about, we're going to call rack moments. Maybe you've heard this term before, a random act of kindness. These are moments where God invites us to participate with him, okay? They're moments where God wants to work through you this week to show his kindness and goodness through you. And when I say rack moments, this is not what I mean. Thank you. Oh my goodness, that smells so good. I'm so hungry. You don't have to. The guy in front of you already paid for it. He did? Yep. Oh. <laughs> that is so nice of him. Oh my goodness. God bless his soul. You know what? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to pay for the car behind me. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> you know what? Because Jesus is watching. Oh, I love these. <laughs> yes. How much? $250.10. Now that's funny. Isn't that funny? How many have had that happen to them, huh? Okay, truth be told. Okay, I was working on my sermon this week, and I've been sitting on this story, and I was at Starbucks yesterday, and the person in front of me paid for me. Look, I, I, I can't just say this. That is not paying it forward. That's just passing money down the line, okay? That is not the kind of rack moment I'm talking about. I'm pretty sure everyone in the drive-thru at Starbucks is not less fortunate. I'm pretty sure less fortunate people are not in the eye at Starbucks. That's not the point. And I'm sitting at Starbucks and I'm like, did this really just happen to me? And I look in my rear view mirror and I'm like, okay, it's one person. And it had a Jimmy John sign. I'm like, I'll get this guy. Here's my point, okay? Rack moments are places of decision, okay? There are moments where in our own efforts, God can show up and get past that and his kindness can show up in an incredible way. But here's what happens with these rack moments. They show up and we begin to deceive ourselves, right? God invites us to be selfless and allow someone else around us to flourish. And in this moment, rather than doing it, we do this. 
We climb in a box. Yes, I'm standing in a box. We climb in a box, and in this box, we convince ourselves that self-preservation is way more important than someone else flourishing. Our selfish ambition kicks up while we're in this box, and in this box, the weeds just start to grow. Dads, have you ever woken up at 2 a.m. in the morning and your baby's crying while your wife is sleeping? And you're having this moment, should I get up or should I wake her up? I've been there. Students, have you ever been playing your Xbox or your PS5 and your little brother or sister comes upstairs and says, can I play? Or, or maybe you're an employee and, and you're at work and you've gone to your boss and your boss is there. And as a boss, she comes to you or he comes to you and says, hey, can I leave an hour early today because I got something going at home and I really need to leave an hour early. Maybe you've been driving down LaGrange and someone wants to get in front of you. Not there. All of these moments are places of decision. And when you're in the box, it's hard to make a good decision. They're invitations that God wants to do through you. And you get to choose. Be in the box or be out of the box. And here's the deal. Out of the box? It's a really good place to be. This is where God works through you. This is where selfish ambition is gone. This is where judgment disappears. This is where the spirit of meanness is gone. Guys, this is where the fruits of kindness and goodness are at. But in the box? This is an entirely different situation. In this box, I start to look better than this person over here, at least to myself. And herein lies the problem. Because when I'm in this box, that person starts to look a whole lot worse. So let's just take an example, okay? You with me so far? Rack moment, let's take the dad who wakes up at 2 o'clock in the morning because I've been there and I've done the same thing. The baby's crying. Mom's sound asleep because she's tired because she just had a baby. And you're laying in bed and you wake up and you're like, the baby's crying. Why is the baby crying? Ugh, I need sleep. I have to get up in a few hours. This meeting, I, I, I got this meeting. Doesn't she hear the baby? Ugh. Maybe she didn't feed the baby. What, maybe she didn't give the baby a blanket. What kind of parent is she? Doesn't she love me? Doesn't she know that I need to get up in a few hours? I mean, do you see what's happening here? Make no mistake, everyone. None of this judgmental thinking started when the dad was laying in bed. It started when he climbed in the box. It started when he missed his rack moment. It's possible that God wants to do some incredible things for you out of the box. This week... If you'll just prepare the soil of your heart and prepare the soil of your mind, the fruit of the Spirit is going to show up in some incredible ways. We have to attack the weeds that show up. And then we have to add, for a lack of a better term, some rack fertilizer. Okay? You got to take out the selfishness and you got to add the kindness and goodness in. And then what's going to happen? God's going to start to show up in some incredible, powerful ways. Hopefully when you came in, you got a rack card. All across our campuses this week, when you came in, hopefully you're able to get one of these. And here's what we want you to do. We just want you to simply ask God, where does he want his kindness to show up through you this week? And then we just want you to wait for the moment. Just wait for it. See where God leads you. And when you do, you can leave the card behind or you can give it to the person that God put in front of you. But here's the point. Hopefully this week across all of our campuses and in all of the communities that we're connected to, people are going to start to experience the kindness and goodness of God in some incredible, powerful ways. They're going to get to taste and see that God really is good. And who knows what will happen this week. I want to share this passage with you. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2. 
It's one of my favorite verses. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you. There's a good work coming, Parkview. It's coming this week. Are you going to be ready for it? Let me leave you with this, and then I'll share a quick story. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. For I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Maybe you know the senior pastor out at National Community Church. His name is Mark Batterson. He recently wrote a book called Chase the Lion. And in Chase the Lion, he shares a story about Paul Tudor Jones. And I don't know if you know the name Paul Tudor Jones, but he's a billionaire. And he uh, founded the corporation, Tudor Investment Corporation. And, uh, you know, a lot going on in his life. But uh, one time in 1986, he decided to adopt a sixth grade classroom. And Mark shares this story in his book about Paul. And in 1986, Paul adopts this classroom because in this classroom in New York, most of these kids were not destined to graduate. And so he thought if he would, you know, adopt this class and offer them a college scholarship at graduation, that they would all flourish and graduate. One third of them graduated. And that started a process for Paul where he began the organization called Robin Hood which now is a multi-billion dollar organization in New York that helps address poverty and the uneducated in the city of New York. But here's what you don't know about Paul. And this is the story that Mark shares in his book. When Mark was a child, Paul was in an outdoor vegetable market with his mom. And one day, he got separated from his mom. And Paul recalls how one small act of kindness changed his life. He says, when you're four years old, your mother's everything. And this is extraordinarily kind, very tall, old black man came over to me and he said, Day, don't, don't worry. We're going to find your mama. We're going to find her. Don't cry. We're going to go find her. You're going to be happy in just one minute. And he goes on to say, you never forget stuff like that. God's every action, those little actions become so much bigger and they become multiplicative. For we forget just important how small an act of kindness can be. And for me, I think it's kind of spawned a lifetime of repaying it back. How kind and good has God been to you, Parkview? How good has he been to you? You see, kindness and goodness are not just safe fruits. They are powerful change agents that can change a person's life. They can shift the atmosphere of a room, and they can change the culture in such a way that it's going to unleash the power of God in a miraculous, amazing way through you. Let's pray. God, this is what we want. We want to see you do some great things through us. And so, God, today we pray that you would help us cultivate these fruits in our life. God, first, we just want to say thank you for being kind to us. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you for giving us a hope and a future. Father, would those things now translate out of us? These moments of rack moments that are coming this week, God, help us to be, be ready for them. And God, I pray that your spirit would just show up in an incredible way this week through the people of Parkview. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and everyone said.